0: And then suddenly I was doing layoffs. That was my first couple of years of my venture career, was just trying to help people survive. Um, and then my husband was at Lehman Brothers. And one of our stable things was, RSUs will never go to Well, yeah, right. At least, a, at least we'll always have Lehman we will, Brothers. We
1: will be okay. I'm Scott McGrew. Welcome to Sand Hill Road.
2: Ah. <sighs>
3: Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: Now to the economy and a critical question tonight as we face skyrocketing costs and higher interest rates.
2: Tonight, further evidence of the economic paradox Americans
1: are living with every day. What is happening with the American economy right now? Well, things really aren't that clear right now. If you're trying to figure out what's going to happen to venture in an uncertain economy, it's probably best to sit yourself down in the office of someone who's been there before.
0: Um, so, I, I started in the venture industry in March of 2000. That's Emily Melton. It was a surreal couple of weeks because I remember walking into the office and um, at the time there were these shares that doesn't have anymore. There they They're like friends and family shares of companies that were given before IPOs that they were like giving to assistants. And so the system was telling me how she'd just bought a red Miata because she'd gotten these shares and everyone was just sleeping flush with cash. And then like a couple of weeks later, it was like the sky was falling and all these companies were going to go to zero. And I just remember for a while just being like, well, am I going to get fired?
1: She wasn't. Emily Melton is now managing partner at Threshold Ventures and the chair of the National Venture Capital Association. I don't think necessarily in Silicon Valley but people outside of Silicon Valley might see a, you know, a trade group, the National Venture Capital Association, uh and think negative of, uh, oh, yeah. negatively of it. Yeah, you just immediately went, "Oh yeah." <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, lobbyist groups, I thought that. Like, I right, yeah. right. So not only
1: are you a lobbyist group, but then it's, it's a lobbyist group of, like, you know, big money. Um, uh, but venture capital does so much good for the world.
0: Well, it's not. So, yes, I do think venture capital does good for the world. And it is one of those existential questions you get at a certain stage of your career. It's not like, am I only good at this, but do I like it? And do I think it is something that I'm proud of doing? Right? When I sit down, I'm a mother of two daughters. I have a 13-year-old and a 10-year-old. I explain to them what I do. And um, I feel very confident in that explanation that it's, you know again, that derivative success, that the kinds of investment companies that I'm investing in and the kind of things that venture capital does overall has improved um, our society. Right? I invest in digital health and healthcare technologies. And um, the true north star of most of my investments are you know, increasing access and driving better clinical outcomes, right? That's where I take success. There's financial incentives along with that, but the outcomes are usually much bigger and broader than that. Uh, So, you know, I do think that the venture industry plays a really important role in our ecosystem. The U.S. has created an innovation economy that is the envy of the world. There is no one else that has anything like this, right? And if you think about step back and go, like, how do we make sure that we continue that? How do we make sure from a competitive perspective that we're able to continue to drive the um, that kind of innovation and that economic prowess, but also solving really big problems? Do you find
1: you working with younger associates or younger startups because they didn't live through a downturn? I mean, it's all been gravy
0: for yeah.
1: a very long time.
0: It's going to be tough. Like, so, 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 yeah, I mean, I, I, I tell people, like, I— in 08, I had just been named partner, and I was just on the board, and then suddenly I was doing layoffs. That was my first couple of years of my venture career, was just trying to help people survive. Um, and then my husband was at Lehman Brothers, and one of our stable things was, RSUs will never go to well, zero. Well, yeah, right. At least, at least we'll always
1: have Lehman we Brothers. We will
0: we'll be okay. That's <laughs> Emily's going to be the risk. And then, you know, we bought a house, and we almost lost the house. So I, I, I have personally lived through it. And um, I have enormous amount of empathy for people who are trying to, to put their head around it. Um, but yeah, I think, it's, I think that's going to be, that's what I'm saying. I think we're, people focus on the economic component of the downturn. I think the psychological one is a bigger <laughs> challenge and helping them walk people through and resetting expectations. Even with our own team, we did a portfolio review and we were talking about future rounds, investment rounds. And I said, don't look at what's happened in the last two to three years. Go back and look at our earlier funds and look what, Series A's or B's or C's looked like in 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014. because so I think those are going to be more indicative of what the future holds. Um, the one thing I will say is that people, particularly entrepreneurs, and then most venture capitalists follow, but I have young entrepreneurs. This is their first downturn. Entrepreneurs, by nature, are some of the most amazing—I I love my job because I get to work with these people. The real ones, they are the most resilient um people that exist like they're they're doing something that most people think are crazy and is bound to fail it's not like a rational choice they have this irrational drive to do something bigger than themselves and so you'd be shocked at how quickly they get to the new reality <laughs> and they can play that game and i think that the best founders are really going to emerge Not only through this, but with much better and stronger businesses because they've had to rationalize some of the, um, you know, some of the expenses and because they have to really focus on the unit economics. So, I'm very, again, I'm really bullish on the entrepreneurs. Investors, I think the good ones will, the good ones have seen it before and will help navigate with the younger ones and the ones that can't actually deal with the fact that it's not all gravy can go and find another client. Well, and, and they've locked
1: <laughs> into, into your fund already, right? I mean, the fund has been set up and the—
0: Well, I think some, some people—I think it will be interesting. So we—you you, are—I think there is a, a difference here when you think about venture capital versus what I— maybe some of the participants in the venture ecosystem that aren't truly venture capitalists. And when I—whenever I raise a fund as one of the managing partners of that fund, I'm looking at my partner, Josh Stein, and we're making a commitment to work together for a decade. but probably longer by the time you look at this. So I'm not thinking about it in terms of what's the short-term cycle. I'm thinking about helping companies navigate a decade plus to create value at the end of that. Um, And later-stage funds may be shortening that purview, but venture, by its nature, is a long-term asset that we're creating long-term value. When people from hedge funds or others come in that are looking for arbitrage or short-term gains— they're not going—I think you've been able to do that in the last couple of years. I think that is a game that can't be played going forward, and I think the ecosystem will be better for it.
1: You have two new funds, Threshold 4 and Threshold Select. What are the differences between them?
0: So Threshold um, 4 is our core fund, and what I mean by that is that's what uh, we—venture capitalists, again, everyone can—I say being a venture capitalist (laughs) can mean a lot of different things— there's you know, seed funds that are kind of ideas. There's you know, people that are investing at early stage, and then there's um, following capital. The analogy I like to use is kind of, bear with me, but this mechanic where you know, there's tinkering. I think I have an idea and I'm tinkering. I'm not sure if it's going to work. That's where a lot of the seed investment mm-hmm. is. Then there's the mechanic component, which is like, okay, something that's tinkering is working. I need to now build the engine to make that scalable. I need to actually show that tinker product early product market fit, and that engine is often people and process and making a product a company. And then once you have an engine that's running, there's a ton of people who want to put oil or gas in it. Like, make it go faster. <laughs> show that it works. Um, the gas side and the tinkering side are pretty scalable because they don't require a lot of time as an investor. Like, you can put a lot of money to work and just come back to me and tell me if something's working, or once the gas is, you put the gas in and it's going, you are help direct it, but it's already kind of established. That phase where we are, the engine building, is a little bit more of an intense, hands-on process. Um, but that's what we love, and that's, that's what I love, that's what my partners love. And so that's what Threshold 4 invests in. It's what, Usually it's called the Series A, but most we are taking board seats. We're actively partnering with our founders for this long journey of, of 7 to 10 years. Um, we like to tell our founders that over time, our investment equity looks a lot like them in the cap table because we come in at the Series A we're participating and supporting the company, but because of the size of our funds, we're never going to try and put fifty or hundred million dollars in a company. That's not what we do. So we're like they. Do, we're looking to help them get leverage with the right investors at the right time to minimize dilution to build the best business. Um, and a number of our founders would say that that's been a very helpful resource because they know that while we are. Investors, we are aligned capital. We are thinking about things in a very similar way to them. And they love having us on the board for those extended periods of time. So fund four is that we get right those early checks in those businesses where we're taking board seats. Select is what we actually, a number of our LPs came to us and said, You guys do great work. You have a lot of these great businesses. And then, you know, because of the size of our fund, after about $20 million into investment, we're tapped out. We're not we because we don't want to put too much of a concentration in any one company we but you're handing that off to other people. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Why are you doing that? And so select was a smaller vehicle, and we're not again, not looking to put substantial capital, but where we continue to support companies a follow-on fund. through yeah, follow on fund, through um you know, through IPO. Uh, and that's just usually an opportunity for us to participate at a couple million dollars in some of these later stage rounds. Um, and I always say investing at its best is an information arbitrage because if the world had perfect information, then it would just be access. And so what we're we've sat on the boards of these companies, we've been working with these founders oftentimes for years. So we have a unique purview into how strong we think the companies are. And so that fun kind of reflects the opportunity to capture some of that.
3: CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car.
1: With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What do you see the venture capital industry looking like 10 years from now? I mean, we've seen so many changes already. I, you know, the, the the diversity of founders is very different than it was 10 years ago. Uh, just the sheer spread of people post-pandemic, you know, you can do funding rounds on Zoom. Um, I, what do you see 10 years from now?
0: Yeah, it's, I, it's, I, I started in 2000. And when I started in 2000, it was like a handful of funds. They were all up and down Sand Hill Road there was like only a couple of us that were like associates, not partners. And we would go and get drinks and talk and complain about our partners and (laughs) had very diverse experiences. Um, But it really started to become more professionalized. So, you know, everybody was kind of doing the same thing. Like most funds were about the same size. Mm -hmm. Um, You had some mezzanine funds. You knew there were 30 funds that you should talk to. There wasn't a lot of diversity or opportunity. Um, And if you fast forward to today... A couple of things. One, you've had mega funds, so you have these platform funds that have that I think will end up starting to look like hybrid funds, like private equity and venture, where they're playing a different role in the ecosystem. But they can really help founders, particularly at later stages, with additional capital. Um, but you have a whole other ecosystem of seed funds as well as um, early stage funds, oftentimes with more specific focuses uh, that are available for for investors. And so the positive view of this, which I really hope is true, is that all of those are able to flourish in this ecosystem and that you are able to, with that increase of capital, um, an increase of exposure to capital, to be able to find entrepreneurs that might otherwise not have made the trek, you know, to Sand Hill Road or not had the Stanford credential or dad knew somebody to get a meeting. But now if you have somebody in Minnesota and you're able to, you're in Minnesota, you're able to go pitch them and get that exposure. So um, on the positive side, I think that the geographic diversity um, and the specialization should allow different and uh, newer companies, different kinds of companies to be formed. I think right now we've played a lot in, you know, I do healthcare technology, um, threshold focuses on healthcare and enterprise, both which we think are two very stable and large markets. Um, but you think about the future of things like um climate change tech and what did that actually what would that actually look like? I believe that there's going to be technology or industries in the next decade that I can't even articulate to you today because we don't know what they look like. <laughs> right? um, in the same way in 2000, I had no idea. There wasn't, the web was just publishing things to me. I didn't even think about a participatory web until 0304, right? When Adobe started to do Flash and then you saw things like LinkedIn and Facebook. So where do we go from here? Um, I don't know, but I think in 10 years we're going to have new industries and I think there's going to be new entrepreneurs that have founded and built those industries and I'm really hopeful that There's a diversity that it's benefiting more of our country from a geographic perspective. But those large entities are also still able to fund that scalable growth and being able to give them access. Once you've got that tinkering working and a build, like, how do you make sure they get access to be able to be big, long-term, sustainable companies?
1: Those are my questions for you, unless there's something you'd like that we didn't cover that—
0: No, I I just—I think that there is— I am a venture capitalist, and what I have realized is as a venture capitalist, you have to be an optimist. <laughs> Otherwise, you should find a new job. Um, but I think that you should also—you want to be a thoughtful optimist. I'm not just optimistic on everything. Um, I, I really try to look at it and think about my role is being optimistic but then de-risking, right? Because there's, there's risk inherent in everything we do. Um, and sometimes I am—especially with, you know, there's my venture hat, but then there's my mom hat, when you're seeing what's being said in the news and press and how people are reacting— Um, And in this downturn, even more so than some of the others, there's just a lot of negativity that I think can come out of that or finger pointing or blaming. And um, one of the things that I'm just hopeful for as our society is that we can hold on to that optimism and actually look for the good and tell some of the good stories. We should hold people accountable that, you know, don't—that squander money or make bad decisions or that hurt other people 100 percent, but also— Recognizing that there's an enormous amount of opportunity with an optimistic approach to actually tackle some really big problems. Um, and that's, like, I think that's our role. That's why I think venture plays a role. NBCA plays a role. But I'm just really hopeful that, that that we don't get too dragged down in some of the volatility in the next couple of years and lose that optimism.
1: Emily Melton, managing partner at Threshold Ventures and chair of the National Venture Capital Association. Sandhill Hill Road is produced by Sean Myers under the leadership of Sarah Bueno and Stephanie Adruni. For more interviews with Silicon Valley's most influential entrepreneurs, check me out on TV at Press Here. That's Sunday mornings on NBC Bay Area and everywhere in the world on iTunes at, at PressHereTV.com.